Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. The bullpen segment will be different. We have two people debating yours truly. Those two people are Amy Peacock and David Grasso. Amy is the chief policy officer at Parler and David Grasso is host of Follow the Prophet with David Grasso. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor is none other than the amazing Adrian Lawrence, attorney at law, author and TYT contributor. Top story of the day, wrongfully convicted man gets almost $1 million from a police department and they issue him an apology for a crime they committed against him when he was a juvenile. He's now a 21 year old adult. Let's put up the picture of this young man from Kansas City, Missouri. Tyree Bell was just 15 years of age when he was arrested, held in jail for three weeks for a crime he never committed. Now that he's 21 years old, he has been granted a $900,000 settlement and an apology from the Kansas City Police Department. Let's put up another profile, there it is. So let's go back to what happened to this young man as a child. In June of 2016, Bell was walking home from a relative's house. When he was stopped by police and the police officers were Peter Newkrick and Jonathan Munyon. The officers were apparently responding to a call of three black men playing guns in the area. One of the two officers chased one who tried to flee but lost him. A few minutes later, another police officer found Mr. Tyree Bell walking a mile away. Okay, so they're chasing black people and they spot a random black person a mile away from the incident alleged. There's more, the police then stopped and arrested Bell, even though he was obviously taller than the suspect, has hair and clothing entirely different from those of the suspect. Bell was placed on what's called a 24 hour investigative hold and was detained for three weeks without a charge. He was only released when a detective concluded His clothing and appearance did not match those of the suspect after watching patrol car videos. Now here's something interesting to note. The cops who arrested him, they knew his clothing did not match. They knew his height did not match. They decided to put him in jail anyway. They then violated his Fifth Amendment right by incarcerating him, depriving him of liberty without any form of due process. The law only allows a 24 hour investigative hold. They decided to stick him in jail and forget about him. It was part of a national disgrace that has been allowed to persist among white police for 40 years. Cross race identifications of black males by white officers are often wrong. That's Bell's attorney, Arthur Benson. And they are often wrong because too many, too many police departments do not train their officers that all blacks do not look alike. And how to make an eyewitness identification that is not tainted by racial stereotypes. 
Tyree Bell was a victim of the Kansas City Police Department's failure to address this national outrage. Now here's the part where I bring to your attention the spectrum of bias. Now the attorney believes this was what we call implicit bias, meaning the cops actually believed that Mr. Bell was a suspect. I do not believe that I disagree with the attorney. I think this was intentional bias. I think this was hyper aggressive bias. I think this was a flagrant disregard and disrespect for the rule of law for the constitution because of the race of the individual. I believe they thought they could pin this on the young man anyway. Because if this was an honest mistake, he gets released after the 24 hour investigative hold. That's what you do when you make a mistake, you remedy the mistake. Somebody else doesn't have to come with authority over you to tell you you have concluded wrongly. Bell originally filed a lawsuit against both of the cops in 2017, but the case was dismissed. Why was the case dismissed? As they were found entitled to qualified immunity. There's that qualified immunity part again, the policy that protects cops when they violate a citizen. However, October 2020, a federal appeals court reinstated the lawsuit after finding that police officers did not have probable cause to arrest bail. The jury did not reach a unanimous verdict during the trial, which was declared a mistrial by the judge. It was set to go to trial again, but was canceled due to the pending settlement. The police department spokesperson said in a statement, that the board of police commissioners have agreed to the settlement amount of $900,000 made payable to Mr. Bell. They also offered Mr. Bell an apology. He was a child when this happened to him, he was 15 years of age. And he was introduced to the criminal justice system by people in uniforms who became criminals to him. That was his introduction. Now, what if this 15 year old had dreams of one day becoming a police officer? What if he believed that policing was a noble profession? What if he believed in the rule of law that justice is actually available to individuals like him? This cop or those cops destroyed that. You see, people look at situations like this and think, well, this is just a silo, a one off, an anomaly. No, it's normative. I'm surprised. The young man didn't just start running when the cops got behind him, probably should have. His life was turned upside down. It was heavily covered by the media and he has finally been completely 100% exonerated, made whole, got some money coming to him. But even in that, and this is where I'm gonna kick it to our attorney at TYT. The attorney, Adrian, received more money in the settlement than the victim of the crime. Help me understand this. Yeah, that was actually an observation I was gonna make. You know, people will think, oh, it's nine hundred thousand dollars. It's a nice chunk of change. No, that's not how it works. Uh, generally, you work on commission, uh, or excuse me, you have some kind of fee structure, contingency fee structure set up with the attorney because you know us normal people cannot necessarily pay those fees of several hundred dollars an hour, particularly when this case went through trial and appeal and then continued going. And so that meant that the attorney got a percentage, and this percentage was. 
probably no less than at least 33%, so a third of the amount. And the thing is, is that's what a lot of people don't fully appreciate when you see these settlements coming out, is that the attorneys take a huge chunk of that money, and then you have taxes coming against it as well. The fact is that here you had these officers essentially operating as a modern day slave patrol. They were out, they decided to find a black person and whether or not that he fit the bill in terms of the crime. They decided to essentially take his freedom away as an exercise of power. And there's no amount of money that can essentially fix or remedy that kind of situation, especially not a small amount like this given what they, what his attorney has taken. Yeah, and I think this only starts changing when local DAs Police departments start actually holding officers accountable. When we talk about defund the police, listen, the police department now has to pay almost a million dollars. Regardless of how it's split, the police have to pay this, they have to settle this. That's because of corrupt cops, cops that are negligent or cops that decide to violate the rights of citizens. The truth is, the only people truly defunding the police are the police. I knew this would happen, and I said this would happen. Tucker Carlson says that the black woman that Biden has nominated to be the next US Supreme Court Justice needs to show him her LSAT scores. Here's the video. Then Biden went on to mention someone called Kentaji Brown Jackson. Now, that's not a name most Americans know because Kentaji Brown Jackson has been an appellate judge for less than a year. But Joe Biden assured us she is, quote, one of our top legal minds. Watch. We all know one of the most serious constitutional responsibility a president has is nominating someone to serve on the United States Supreme Court. As I did four days ago, I've nominated the Circuit Court of Appeals, Katanji Brown Jackson, one of our nation's top legal minds. So is Kentanji Brown Jackson, a name that even Joe Biden has trouble pronouncing, one of the top legal minds in the entire country? We certainly hope so. Biden's right. Appointing her is one of his gravest constitutional duties. So it might be time for Joe Biden to let us know what Kentanji Brown Jackson's LSAT score was. What else she do in the LSATs? Why wouldn't he tell us that? That would settle the question conclusively as to whether she's a once in a generation legal talent, the next learned hand. It would seem like Americans in a democracy have a right to know that and much more before giving her a lifetime appointment, but we didn't hear that. She's smarter than those other white men on the bench, I guarantee you that. So let's go ahead and dig into what's happening here. You know, we have had US Supreme Court justices who didn't even have a law degree. 100% of them were white men. They never went to law school, did not have a JD. They were able to be appointed, approved, and became Supreme Court justices. Tucker Carlson has never requested this additional information from anybody else on the bench. But there is a disturbing pattern here. Now, here's what Tucker may not know. The American Bar Association, they're the ones who place the mandate of what needs to happen before a person gets into law school. Well, the LSAT is just one test. The ABA actually says it has to be a standardized test of some sort. She passed the bar. That's the test to become an attorney. And she does have a long legal history, not only as a judge, but also as a federal public defender beating the government against their brightest minds as well. All right, let me give you a recap here. She currently serves on the US Supreme Court Judge 
Jackson is an appeals court judge for the District of Columbia. During his presidential campaign, Biden pledged that he would nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. Last week, he delivered on that pledge after Justice Stephen Breyer announced he will retire. Notably, there is no record, ladies and gentlemen, no record of Tucker Carlson publicly demanding to see the LSAT scores of anybody else. But back in 2009, remember Buchanan? Let's put up a picture of Buchanan, just in case you forgot what he looks like. Buchanan in 2009 attacked Judge Sotomayor in a very similar way. Here's the quote. This is bigotry, pure and simple. To solve their conscious for past societal sins, the Ivy League is deep into discrimination again. This time with white males as victims rather than as beneficiaries. One prefers the old bigotry, at least it was honest and not as Abraham Lincoln observed, adulterated with the base alloy of hypocrisy. I mean, that's a fancy way to say, man, you racist as hell, bro. You gotta think about (laughs) what Buchanan is saying here. It gets deeper. He also added nonsense by saying, thus Sotomayor got it to Princeton, got her number one ranking was whisked into Yale Law School, made editor of the Yale Law Review, all because she was a Hispanic woman. (laughs) What? And those Ivy League institutions cheated more deserving students. He means white people, cheated more deserving students of what they had worked a lifetime to achieve for reasons of race, gender, and ethnicity. Well, here's the reality, she got into Yale uh, because uh, she won Princeton's number one academic prize. He probably knew that, I'm sure, just did not bother to check. All right, Adrian, what are your thoughts on this? Racism or am I out of line calling out Tucker Carlson? Oh, you're not out of line at all. This is this is absolute racism, it's structural racism, which really hinges on this thought that black people and brown people are inferior, that we're not as intelligent or intellectual. And so, you know, you know, just we see the hypocrisy without question. But on top of that, there is this thought that, oh, well, we just want to make sure she's qualified, which is completely and totally a farce. Because what's really going on is this implicit message that no, black people must be beneath us. They cannot be qualified. They are of a lower lower degree of people. And thus to have them in these white spaces is the problem. And so that's what Tucker Carlson is really getting at here. And the fact is that we do know that there have been many Supreme Court justices who had no law degree whatsoever, 60 of them in fact, and they were all white men. And also as far as the LSAT goes, like I don't even remember my LSAT score because no one brings it up because Nobody no one cares. cares. It's like me citing the high school I went to, What what? It doesn't matter at all, and Tucker Carlson knows that, but he's still playing on this because this judge, Judge Jackson, is an affront to white supremacy just by virtue of how far she has excelled and the things she can accomplish and do. Yeah. 
Well said, and when people say things like most qualified, most qualified is always a very subjective standard. It depends on who you are. There's little objectivity in that. It depends on what's the most qualification for you, all right? What's most qualified for you? And let's be very clear, the people that are now questioning Judge Jackson are people that voted for Donald Trump Mm -hmm. to be president of the United States. And they are talking about qualification. This is a sad story, but parents beware, monsters are among us. You see this man, he was arrested because he took a 13 year old child across state lines, raped her and told everyone this was his daughter. Clayton County police have arrested this alleged child molester. They say he took a 13 year old girl from Topeka, Kansas, brought her back to Georgia. Channel 2's Kristen Holloway was in Jonesboro where police found the teen at a Dollar General on Tara Boulevard around 10 p.m. last Thursday. Let's put up a picture of this guy as he's being apprehended. This story has a lot of twists and turns. I will highlight some dynamics I think every parent in particular needs to be aware of. Investigators arrested 33-year-old Howard Graham, that's him, on sex trafficking charges at his job at Clayton County IHOP in the state of Georgia. This is in the metropolitan area of Atlanta. Police said the 13 year old girl met Graham on Roblox, a gaming app that's extremely popular with kids. Investigators said that after two days of chatting, Graham encouraged the teen to run away from home. He drove all the way to Topeka to pick her up, bring her back to Georgia, according to the police report. Investigators said the pair had sex multiple times. And then the reporting says whether or not it is consensual sex with a minor is considered rape. They cannot give consent, period, all right? So there's no such thing as consent with a minor. The teen eventually told Graham she wanted to go back home to another person who was staying in the home But Graham took her to the Dollar Tree instead. So let me explain what happened. He told his roommate that this was his daughter. The 13 year old expressed to the roommate, I would like to go home now. The roommate then says, well, talk to your dad about that. All right, I'm sure he will understand. And that's when she exposed the true nature of their relationship. The roommate, instead of calling police immediately, decided to confront the alleged child molester. After this confrontation, the roommate then took the child to a Dollar General store. At that time, the child was able to alert her mother as to her location. The teen's mother was able to alert police that she was on the gaming app. During a news conference, Captain John Ivey spoke about the dangers of the app and why parents need to monitor what their children are doing. The subject got on there and praising these little kids because think they're playing on there with other kids, Ivy said, and they're not. They're playing with people who are preying on their kids. We're extremely lucky we found, we found this young girl and she's alive. Graham is facing multiple charges, including rape, 
kidnapping and sex trafficking. Roblox is the name of the app. Now for parents, okay, I know we like to give our children certain freedoms. It allows them to adjust to the broader world to become socially independent. But we have to make sure we are paying attention. Here's another element of the story that I feel led to highlight. The reason why the 13 year old communicated with this adult and told the adult to pick her up is because she was having challenges at home. So she wanted to run away. She felt like she could not talk to anyone in her home. She did not feel as if she had a support network around her in her community. And so this person on the app, this monster, this predator said all the right things. If we don't validate our children at home, monsters know the game of validation away from home. And because of that, she insisted this is a good idea. She is a child, she did not know what she was doing. And as soon as she realized it is time for me to get out of this situation, she told an adult, I'm glad she did. I'm glad she's alive. Human trafficking is on the rise in many areas, including Atlanta and major cities across the country. As a matter of fact, if you look at the correlation between church conferences and child human sex trafficking, they correlate like hand and glove. Isn't that something? Adrian, thoughts? You know, you definitely said it all. It's the fact that you have children out there who are especially vulnerable. We are all particularly vulnerable right now coming out of this pandemic, as well yeah. as dealing with all of the social issues that are ongoing. But our children are most vulnerable. And there are people out there who are going to use that opportunity to exploit them and to essentially change the course of their lives forever. And so, yes, definitely ensuring our children know that they are validated and heard is something that we do have to invest in, even if we ourselves are are essentially struggling with that in this very moment yeah. because there are monsters out there like this man. That's right. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Before I read the comments, let me remind everybody the watch list, the watch list, an amazing show, Jared Jackson, the big homie. Live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Find out what stories you need to pay attention to in news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. This is a 10-week test series. Make sure to support JR by watching live daily. And don't forget to subscribe and follow at youtube.com forward slash watchlisttyt and facebook.com forward slash watchlisttyt. Don't forget Canvas 2022 making a difference. Midterm elections are fast approaching. And we know mainstream media will not cover progressive voices. But because TYT, you, the audience is too strong, we can make a difference in the midterm elections to help progressives get elected and make sure our priorities are heard. How can you amplify that? Go to tyt.com forward slash canvas 2022. Okay, resistance against the establishment. Is a constant battle, we need your help. I become part of TYT's progressive change machine and help facilitate a positive change in the world. Become a member, let's get it done, all right? TYT.com forward slash change, TYT.com forward slash change. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're still free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Oh, man. Hold on. I got to get a picture with you. Okay. I can't tell you what a p you are. Sorry to hear that. You new world order traitor. You're in here without security? Woo! Yeah, you. I'm surprised that you have the balls to be out here in public, punk. Out here without a cop, out here without security? Woo! You got balls on you, boy! I'm not moving. Wait till we find all the money that flowed his way from the Oh, community. man. Yeah, hiding the hydroxy. Oh, you in trouble. Yeah, you better get the right. Sisolak. Probably a good idea to go somewhere else. Where's your security at? Huh? Huh? Where's your. Uh, don't touch me, lady. Where's your security at? Huh? You want to sell us all down the river? You working for China, piece of. It's called You traitors. We should string you up by lamppost right now. Sure. Do you know what they do to traitors? They, they hang, hang traitors. That's right, Patriot. I think it's awesome. You running into a Patriot now, huh? Huh? Where's your security at? I heard about you banging that little girl and then wrecking your car. Does she know about that? Huh, Steve? Mr. Sissy Lack? You treasonous China work. Where's your security at? Woo! You lucky I'm a law-abiding citizen. Woo! Because your daughter's with you, I'm going to leave you alone now. Boy, I wish a mofo would. That's the governor of Nevada, Governor Steve Sisalak, who was approached, threatened. There's more to this story. The parts that you could not hear that we had to censor. Well, that was the male Karen, we got his information. That was the male Karen being bigoted, racist, and wholly inappropriate. The governor and his wife, Kathy, were accosted and threatened at a Las Vegas restaurant Sunday by at least two men who shouted racial and anti-government slurs at them in an incident captured on a cell phone video. The governor released a statement on Monday. Decrying the incident, but declined additional comment, noting it was under investigation by state police. The governor was without his security detail at the time he was confronted. Now, let me say this. I'm actually okay with public protests. I support it. It doesn't matter what side you're on. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you bringing attention to matters that you find to be important. It's part of the fabric of our society. But what happened here? was beyond protest. This was beyond objection. This was violent. This was a threat of violence. It was illegal. There's more background. The governor was deeply disappointed in how this incident unfolded, particularly with the language used to talk about his wife, Kathy, and her heritage. We can disagree about the issues, but the personal attacks and threats are unwarranted, unwelcome, and unbecoming behavior for those in Nevada. Good, good statement. More people made statements. A man in the video has been identified. The man in the video has been identified through social media as Justin Andersh, a self-described 
digital creator whose website and podcast promote extreme right anti-government conspiracy theories. A former prosecutor who, who, uh, who viewed the video uh, of the altercation told the Review Journal that the behavior towards the governor could be criminally prosecuted as a misdemeanor under the state's harassment statute. The Attorney General wrote on Twitter, completely unacceptable. We all should denounce this verbal attack and racist diatribe against the governor and first lady. And the Nevada Republican Party had something to say. The chairman, Michael McDonald said, and I quote, there is no place for the behavior and violent threats against the governor we saw on that video from this weekend. And I will say this about the governor of Nevada, he has stopped significant hyper conservative legislation that would completely violate the conscience of most people, most common sense people. He has been that stopgap to make sure that Republicans are held honest in that state. He is a Democrat, but I'm glad to see some Republicans actually speaking out against what happened to the governor. Have your political disagreement with anyone, that's fine. But what happened at that restaurant was not. Adrian, thoughts? I absolutely agree with you, it's completely unacceptable and it's intolerable and it should not be tolerated. If there is an opportunity to prosecute that individual, that is what needs to be done because otherwise there will be copycats out there. People yeah. out there who will think that this is okay, that they can find the governor or any other elected leader and that they can scare them to the point where they have to leave an establishment. That is not okay and it is completely unconscionable and it needs to stop. If you have something to say, sure, do it on your own time as a constituent through the appropriate channels. Do not do it through racist, bigoted threats and you know tropes, it's disgusting. Yeah, and listen, he's an elderly guy. You know, what, what credit do you get for trying to physically threaten a guy his age, period? And then his wife and his child are at the restaurant, it's just insane. This guy's a coward. All right, there's a pilot who has been removed from JetBlue because according to the report, he came to work drunk. So a JetBlue pilot was removed from the plane's cockpit. This is in Buffalo, Niagara International Airport. So the pilot, his name is James Clifton, okay? 52 years of age, was taken into custody after he registered a blood alcohol level of 0.17. Now this is an important number to remember. A Niagara Frontier TSA spokeswoman said, Clifton told authorities he had seven to eight drinks before he got on the aircraft. Seven or eight drinks before he got on the aircraft. Now, if that was me saying that six or seven years ago, that means I've had probably 15, okay? So he admitted to seven or eight drinks before trying to fly the airplane. This was bound for Fort Lauderdale, Florida, said the spokeswoman. Okay, uh, this is a picture of the airport, let's put it up. All right, looks nice, looks peaceful. Federal regulation prohibits pilots from drinking while on duty within eight hours of flying or if their blood alcohol level is greater than zero, than 0.04. His blood alcohol content was much higher than that. Uh, he registered a 0.174, uh, which is twice the legal limit for driving uh, in the US, but four times the legal limit for flying an airplane, so you can drive at one rate, you can fly at a much lower rate. So Clifton has spent the night drinking at a bar near the hotel. 
where he and his crew had been staying. That's according to the police report. The flight's other pilot told cops Clifton missed the crew bus to the airport and had to take an Uber while passing through security. He called the attention of an officer and a TSA agent. Clifton submitted to the test after he told police he needed to get his gun from the plane's cockpit. Pilots are permitted to carry firearms on the planes if they are certified to do so. He was in fact certified. So the police was able to confiscate his gun. He had 17, a 17 round magazine inside. In a statement, JetBlue said it was aware of the incident and fully cooperated with law enforcement. Clifton was removed from his duties while the airline conducts an internal inquiry, according to the company. They said, and I quote, we adhere to all DOT rules and requirements concerning alcohol at all times and have a very strict zero tolerance internal alcohol policy. The statement added referring to the Department of Transportation. Clifton may face federal charges as the FAA investigates this matter. The reason I bring this up is because it sounds like this man, Mr. Clifton, is struggling with something that I used to struggle with and that's drinking. I have not had a drink in years, I'm thankful to God for that. But when it's a problem, it's a problem. And I've had people say to me, well doc, I don't know if I have a drinking problem. Um, I think I just drink too much. Well, that's a drinking problem. If drinking is impacting your ability to make a living, if drinking is putting other people in danger, if your drinking is causing you to have conflict with those that you love, you have a drinking problem. I know sometimes we like to contextualize drinking in addict behavior or problematic behavior. The issue is, is it adversely affecting your life? Is it adversely affecting those around you? Is it putting people in danger? I really do hope that this company provides opportunity to get him help and that he seeks the help that it sounds like he needs. Adrian thoughts. Indeed, this individual needs considerable health. The fact that they are willing to essentially potentially jeopardize the lives of hundreds of people yeah. by flying this plane while being completely inebriated is scary. And you know, and these these pilots have been working all their lives in terms of aviation, and so they they know when they get it, which tells you essentially how powerful that this person's drinking problem is. And so I agree with you. I do hope they get him the help that he needs, and that you know at some point he can speak out about what he did and hopefully inspire others to get help before they get to a point like this. There you go. As I said before, Adrian, at Indisputable, we provide a mirror, a mirror for reflection and a mirror for correction. It's an opportunity to correct. All right, we got more on the other side. It's Indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I'll read as many as I can. TYT member Nadius Maximus, a patriot. I guess the definition changed of what I thought a patriot was. No, it didn't. They just made it different, okay? Uh, Lynn says the pilot was loaded, his gun was loaded. That is accurate, that is correct. Uh, Craig Cray Souffle, hammered airlines, the only way not to fly, yeah. I am Sock says, I assume half of the pilots are drunk. Love Big 41, these people feel that harassment is free speech, yeah. Marcia Jones, hard man with a glass chin. Bittersweet dragon. Did Doc just say I wish a mofo would? I damn sure did. I absolutely did. Uh, Megan Satana says, I had to go to Florida. If I had to go to Florida, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> that was good. Governor DeSantis tells a group of youth, take off your mask. This COVID theater is getting ridiculous now. 
Let's show a screenshot of him walking up to these young people. So the governor of Florida, who's responsible for the death of thousands, DeSantis was at the University of South Florida to announce funding for their cyber education. Before taking the podium to address the audience, the governor scolded a group of students standing behind him. The students were wearing face masks. He says, you don't have to wear those masks. The students chuckled, they actually laughed, they thought he was making a joke. And then he says, let's go to the next graphic. And then he says, I mean, please take them off, honestly, it's not doing anything. And then he ends up with, and we gotta stop with this COVID theater. So if you wanna wear it, fine, but this, this is ridiculous. But then he does the, <sighs> the Karen exaggerated breathing, all right? Governor DeSantis is a Karen, okay? Um, now here's the thing, DeSantis has been saying that this is all about freedom of choice. This is all about the ability to say, I want a mask or I don't want a mask. He wants people empowered to wear a mask or not wear a mask according to the narrative that he has proclaimed in Florida. But as soon as people are exercising their freedom to wear a mask, not under any mandate to do so, he then tells them to take off their mask as head of the state of Florida. That's a government office, a government official. He's the governor and he's saying, take off your mask. As I said from day one, this has nothing to do with freedom for conservatives who are passing these laws that would restrict facilities and school systems from enforcing common sense local policies for the sake of public health. And he proved it in that scene, in that scenario. He proved this is not about choice for him. This is all about his idea. This is about his point. He's willing to let people die to make a point. Now, does the governor know if any of these students, if maybe they go home to someone who has a compromised immune system or to an elderly family member, maybe they wanna be safe for them as well. He just told them, take off your mask. DeSantis has been a long opposition guy as it relates to mask, despite Florida being ranked fifth in most COVID deaths per 100,000 people last year. Those are the numbers, all right? He has one of the worst records. He does not protect his people. He does not protect Floridians. Adrian, thoughts? It almost seems like DeSantis is really on this Trump plan. The yeah. fact that he shows time and time again that he doesn't care about his people, that he is willing to ignore science and jeopardize their health. The fact is that this individual is doing it because it works. It's almost like people don't have the wherewithal to realize that they are being, you know, their health is being jeopardized, that they're being put in danger, and that someone does not give a damn about them. And I just, I am astonished by virtue of the fact that this man is still in office and that he, you know, that inkling of the thought that he could possibly run for president or some yeah. other higher position. It's very scary, but all we can do is just hope that the American people get it together because we can't have individuals like this out there. And this is why it's important to understand the personal biases of an individual, their value system, because out of that flows an abundance of policy when we place them in policy positions. Okay, I'm so sick and damn tired of this. That four year old is dead. That four year old is dead because the kid shot himself. Let's put up a picture full screen. 
four year old kid in Georgia shot himself with a gun outside of a public store. His mother was inside of the store shopping. His name was Mayel Hernandez. His father's name is Jose. Jose never went a day without telling his son he loved him, except the Sunday of the shooting when he was no longer able to. One of Jose's sisters told 11 Alive News, the local affiliate in Atlanta, nobody knew there was a gun in the vehicle. Jose's other sister also spoke to 11 Alive saying she isn't sure who the gun belongs to or how this even happened. Now, before I give you details on this, I want to remind you that we have covered multiple stories like this right here on Indisputable, where children are getting access to guns, shooting themselves, killing themselves, wounding and killing others. We also had Ted Terry, a commissioner in DeKalb County, a county right next door to Atlanta, who's trying to produce legislation to make it an offense for parents or other adults who are that irresponsible because he wants to make sure there's accountability and an educational campaign to tell adults be responsible with your weapons. The fatal shooting of the child identified as Mayel Hernandez unfolded at 5 p.m. Sunday in DeKalb County, Georgia. Mayel, his mother, his eight month old sister and 13 year old cousin arrived at the Publix. The mother went into the store alone and the children remained in the car by themselves according to the release. Mayel's mother had gone into the Publix to get a cake for his grandfather's birthday. Mayel accidentally shot himself inside the vehicle, according to the police. The 13 year old then immediately ran inside for help. The four year old child was transported to the hospital where he later died. Police said no charges have been filed in the case. So far in 2022, there have been at least 30 unintentional shootings by children, resulting in 13 deaths, 18 injuries, according to a national count by Every Town for Gun Safety, an American gun control nonprofit. Last year, there were at least 377 unintentional shootings by children, resulting in 154 deaths across the nation. But Republicans are passing laws to create more access to guns, rather than common sense laws to restrict. There's a policy issue here. We have a gun culture in America. They're saying they don't know where the hell the gun came from. That's a problem. And then states like Georgia and other states, they have already passed legislation making it illegal for cities and counties to pass common sense laws to govern and hold accountable those who misuse guns. They have prohibited the ability of local jurisdictions to pass common sense legislation as it relates to guns. But they believe in local control. Get out of here. Adrian, thoughts? You know, when we talk about prosecuting parents who lose their child due to um, accidents like this, you would think that that would be unnecessary because the thought that you might lose your child would be enough fear so that you ensure that they don't have access to a gun. But unfortunately, in our society, that is not the case. And so the thought that we have to move to prosecuting them, it is sad and it's unfortunate. But the reality is, if you will not protect your child and you essentially are going to expose your child to these dangers or these harms, then somebody has to pay the price. I just hope that it does does end up deterring people so that they make the right decision and they make sure that those guns are locked up. Yeah, well said.
you know these Karens, Soho Karen, uh, Central Park Karen, uh, they all got basically a slap on the wrist, if even that. So I got an update. Uh, let's go, let me remind you of uh, the Central Park Karen. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. I'm taking a picture of calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. There is an African-American man I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. (laughs) I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. That black man could have been killed. Let's put up a picture of the Karen in question that made national headlines. It actually transformed some laws. That's where we got many of our Karen laws from today. The criminal case against Amy Cooper, that woman, that Karen, the white woman who called the police on a black bird watcher in Central Park and lied, made a false report that he threatened her, put his life in danger. Her charges were completely dismissed after Ms. Cooper completed a therapy program that included a class on racial bias. That'll do it. Let's also remind you of Soho Karen. Go to Soho Karen. This is my phone. Tell me, no. You don't have to explain nothing to her. Take the case off, that's mine. Literally get it back, please. Are you kidding me? You feel like there's only one one iPhone made in the world? No, okay, then show me the- No, show me you get, get a life. Yeah. Did you see me just come downstairs? Yeah. Let's put up a picture. She physically assaulted them. She illegally detained them, would not allow the young man to leave. She did all of this. Her name, Maya Pancetto. She has now struck a plea deal that will allow her to avoid jail time as long as she can live as a law abiding citizen for the next two years. Under the agreement detailed during a virtual hearing in Manhattan Supreme Court, the 23 year old would cop to the top count against her unlawful imprisonment as a hate crime. She'd then be required to live as a law abiding citizen for the next two years, continue with her therapy and abide by the terms of her probation in California where she lives. That's according to the assistant DA, all right? Now, according to TMZ, Pancetto was arrested and charged with the DUI resisting arrest, obstruction or delaying a peace officer or EMT. Uh, At that time, she was still on probation from a previous DUI, May of last year, in which she was also accused of fighting with the police. Now, how many times have we heard prosecutors say things like, we are going to make an example out of this person to send a message to everybody else that this will not be tolerated in our community. Typically when they say that, the person they're talking about is black or brown. I've heard prosecutors say this for decades. And people have applauded when prosecutors said, we will not allow things like this to ever happen in our city. We will make an example out of every, and then they name the demographic. They name the person associated with the crime. We have not heard this done not one time for one of these Karens who have decided to weaponize their privilege in a way that puts others in danger, their very lives or their freedom.
They have filed false police reports. They have illegally detained individuals. They have physically assaulted people. What is it going to take? What is it going to take for prosecutors to finally step up, treat this as the crime that it is, and actually prosecute? Are they afraid to make examples out of Karen's? Are they afraid to stand up for the community against this assault that typically targets black people? Adrian, thoughts? Well, you know what? It's like it seemed cute and nice and performative when these laws were passed, and they thought that we're going to hold Karens accountable for essentially their hate crimes. But the fact is, if they're not actually prosecuted under those crimes, what's That's the point right. of it? And the only kind of credit I can give to prosecutors is, you know, proceeding with the case that you know you can win. And the fact is that if they did proceed with the case and they say, hey, the jury's not going to end up giving a conviction, then it does speak to the community. Why won't the community convict these people for doing what they're doing? But then we also end back at anti-blackness. So it almost feels like the cycle continues to repeat itself until something happens and gets right. Because the reality is that it's people like you and me who continue to suffer and face this everyday racism. And then just are gaslit and lied to with the thought that we might be entitled to some semblance of justice. Very well said. Always a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can follow your work, get your book, and check you out on Rebel HQ. Yes, yes, definitely. I'm on Rebel HQ, which is on YouTube and Facebook every day. Check out my segment, Overruled. And then also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Adrian Law, Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. And you can get my book in the TYT bookstore, as well as Amazon, where, every books are, where everywhere books are sold. Awesome. I'm going to be there one day, sister. All one right. day. Yes, one you will. Days. All right. Thank you so much. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.